Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest today, Chip Frederick. We will talk Vanderbilt baseball. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to bowlandbranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code Vandy and get $50 off your first set of sheets. The news today presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Vanderbilt heading to Columbia, Missouri for a three-game baseball series this weekend. Weather permitting, uh, games are Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Times for those respectively 6, 7, and 5 Central. Today's podcast also presented by our friends Scott and Missy Tannen at Bowl and Branch. You spend a third of your life in bed, and so how you sleep determines how your other two-thirds of your day goes. And you've heard me talk for years about how much my wife and I love our Bowl and Branch sheets, but have you wondered why? Well, I look forward to getting in bed every night and slipping between those sheets. The fabric is amazing. I never knew there would be such a difference between sheets, but there is one. They're made with 100% organic cotton. It's rain-fed and picked by hand. It's the best cotton on earth, period. That's why Bowling Branch sheets feel amazing. They get softer with every washing and will last a lifetime. Try them for yourself. You can actually sleep on them for a month and return them if you're not thrilled, but trust me, you won't want to. You can go to BowlingBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L. Use the promo code VANDY to get $50 off your first set of sheets, and you can thank me later. Chip Frederick joins us today on the Vandy Sports Podcast, as he does often to talk baseball. Chip, the Commodores have ascended to number one on a few of the polls, and frankly, I think it's deserved at this point. Yeah, it was an exciting weekend for the Commodores. Uh, A lot of good things happened, and two out of three against South Carolina. Anytime you can win a series and and, uh, is, is a positive thing and a nice little win uh, against Lipscomb after some adversity uh, in the first couple innings. But yeah, it, it, you know, anytime you ascend to the number one ranking, it, it's a reflection of your program. I can tell you that um, personally as a player, of course, we were nowhere near number one when my era, uh, not even near number one of the conference, a, lot, a little different, different time then. But I don't think these guys think about it all too much, and I don't think it's really that important. It's a feather in your cap, and it's uh, as far as where the program is. But really, when you're all things are pointing towards where you're going to be in May and June, and and I know that sounds trite to some people, but those those standings will change, and and uh, they'll they'll jockeying back and forth between positions even within the conference and in the national. It does in the national scene. It does put a little bullseye on your back a little bit as far as uh, when you go on the road, especially. And and uh, but this team's had a bullseye on their back for goodness, I'd say the last decade. So it's not going to change all that much. But uh, it's nice to be recognized. But I don't think, honestly, the coaching staff, the players, uh, 
you know, think about it all that much? Well, this certainly has not been a team that's been short on adversity. You have Cooper Davis fouling a ball off his face on the first at bat of the season. He misses time, hasn't been the same since he got back. You have the leading hitter in Dom Keegan, who has a COVID issue, misses a couple weeks. His timing, I don't think, is all the way back. Spencer Jones, before the season, had the elbow issue. That's limited his involvement in the field. It's eliminated his time on the mound. And he, of course, I think is, because of the late start, missed the opportunity to get in a rhythm and get reps and those sorts of things. Now you add Tate Colwick to that list. He's going to be out a while. Uh, my goodness, I mean, it just seems like this team keeps taking blows uh, but just keeps punching back even harder. And, again, there's a ton of depth on this offense. I think it's probably lost in the pitching. But, again, you don't want to lose Tate Colwick, but I think this is a team that's in a good spot to be able to absorb a blow like that. Right, and the thing about the the injuries have been that they haven't been all together at one time. It seems like they've been spaced out a little bit, so you're not absorbing three position players at one time or two pitchers you've got to sit for a weekend. And those happen. You're going to have – it could be a situation this weekend where a starter, one of your weekend starters, misses a start for whatever reason. And and uh, Colwick's injury is unique in the sense that, you know, that the hamate bone in, in, in your hand, and if you just look at your hand and hold it out, that, that pinky finger – Right below that, there is a, a small bone there and, and a hook almost. And, and there's no, it, it can happen various ways. It can happen uh, through overuse in the cage. It can happen uh, due to a collision. Mainly on hitters, it's done with overuse and you, you, the bat is swung in a certain way. And that has to go in and, and surgically get repaired. There's no therapy. There's no. Uh, you know, well, we're just going to rest. It's going to take care of it. And that's what it seems like it's happened with him. And the two to three week window seems awful uh, liberal to me. I, I think usually you see those things draw out five, six, seven weeks at best. So when I, when I saw that, and maybe it's not something that's, that they feel like is, is but anytime you go in and surgery, uh, you've got the time off, you've got the soreness and, and, and to repair that uh, just over time. But it, it is it is hurt. If you can imagine gripping a bat, and you saw the video of him when he when he swung the bat and, and the bat was uh, slung out of his hand and he you can see him grimace as he runs down to first base. It is something that hurts. It's not something that hurts all the time. Like if you're holding a pen or a pencil or a fork, you would necessarily recognize it. But when you're gripping a bat, and the torque that goes on with a swing, it, it's something that can be extremely painful. So we'll see how long he's out. And once again, it, it, spacing it out is the key. You're going to have injuries as long as you don't have too many all at once. Yeah, I think they said three to six weeks. I tend to think it's towards the longer end of that just because it's, it's a bone that's broken that's got to heal. And, you know, it's not like your hands just sit there and you don't use them. So I think that... In addition to that, you've also got the concern of he's got to get back in the rhythm and the timing, not just swinging a bat and building back strength, but just the timing of facing elite pitching and those sorts of things. You're seeing Dom Keegan struggle with it right now a little bit. He's not picking up where he left off. No fault of his own. That happens to anybody, right? You don't play baseball regularly. It's a game of timing. It's a game of split-second decisions. You don't just pick up where you left off with that. 
So I think with Colwick, it's not just a matter of the time to heal, but you got to factor that in too. And I, I'm thinking, I'd be, I'd be a little surprised if he's contributing heavily again before Hoover. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say the goal would be to uh, have him back for the tournament or maybe a weekend or two before the tournament at best. But I agree with you, Chris. I think it's going to be, I mean, three weeks is, it, it's going to, it's going to, and you, what you don't want to do is have it injured again where he sits and he can't play in a regional or super regional and, and at best case, College World Series. So I, I think they'll probably be, you know, very conservative with him and, and make sure that he's ready to go towards the end of the year. That would be the best case scenario. And, you know, he's he's a guy who's been in every ball game. I mean, he's played 19 games. And his, while his numbers are, you know, he's hitting 262, it's just what he's done in the field and his presence out there with, you know, Carter Young and their their camaraderie and, and, and playing together is, is always key. And, the, again, the depth thing is – you just kind of slide guys in the position where he was and move people around. And, and, uh, that's what these, you know, recognized recruiting classes can do for you is you, you can do that. And hopefully there's not much, uh, slip up there as far as uh, the slack and taking up for someone's position. Okay. Sunday pitching has been an issue lately. Thomas Schultz has struggled. What do you do with that? If you're Tim Corbin? Oh man, you know, and it's it's a tough spot. A Sunday starter in this league um, is is a tough spot to begin with, especially when you have Lighter and Rocker in front of you. You saw that in South Carolina; they came out with you know a, a jump in their game on Sunday, and we've talked about. I mean, unfortunately, in Schultz, you know, this team has lost three games. He's absorbed two of them, although he has a win on his record. Um, you know, Chris, it's 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 an ex- excess of riches for the first two games, and then the Sunday game comes along. And then I've talked about this before: how teams get desperate, they don't want to get swept. We've talked about in the past how important it is if you're going to compete for a title or get for a regional or get you know getting swept can has all sorts of consequences in this league and just the dominance sometimes of those first two games it gets overshadowed when you put anybody any one of these guys. Uh, in in the lineup uh, on a Sunday, if you just said, okay, we're going to go with someone else, you know, the thing that I was thinking, and 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 we I have some guys who have played with before, and we, we talk about what happened in those first two games, and w- in, as far as and then what what you do with Schultz coming in on Sunday, you know, we we had our two guys throw a combined 250 pitches. In, our, in those two games. And I'm not trying to dumb this down or be nervous Nelly as far as uh, what happened uh, with the result. I mean, sure, we had a, you know, a, a no-hitter on the, the second game and the drama that was involved in that. But, you know, you're talking about, I think we win that game because of two guys. And they, there's a lot of, of uh, you know, when you throw 250 pitches between two guys, there's a worry there, and, and you, it went back and forth in the broadcast. Cal Peterson and Tom Hart talking about it. What do you do? And, this, you know, it, do you take him out because he's got a no-hitter? And is that disappointing the kid, not letting him have all that excitement and a chance to do that in a college game? But 
I think it exposed some things. That game, I, I, I sat there in game two thinking, and I'm not one who always thinks the negative, so I don't want to go there. But, you know, you leave him in, and what happens if he gets tired in the eighth and he's throwing a no-hitter and some guy hits a bomb and ties it up on a pitch, he gets up in the zone, and all of a sudden you feel like he made a mistake. But that exposed a little bit to thing to me that, that we had um, the optimal recipe that, if my takeaway of that weekend was of all the great things that happened in game one and two, the top four in our order uh, for those two games were two for 30 with 17 strikeouts. And we win the game because we have two guys who pitched lights out. I, I, you know, in a way, you know, the offense to me, as great as that, that no hitter was on Saturday, you know, you're going to have to have some more production between your one through four guys who are in that position because they can hit the baseball and they should be putting the ball in play instead of striking out. So um, that that's what my takeaway from the weekend on there. And, and I'm kind of a roundabout way of answering your question. I'm just saying I'm not sure who it matters right now because of how good those guys pitched. Do you give somebody another opportunity? Maybe. Uh, I think maybe it's probably not going to be this weekend. You might see it next if it doesn't work out. But that was my, as far as starting pitching, and we, you know, you worry a little bit, Chris, about the gasoline that that you, you know, if it's early in the year, maybe it was too early. You kind of want, if he's going to go 120 pitches, to maybe have that be like in mid-April. I don't think that you leave Jack Leiter in the ball game. Let's say that happens in the SEC tournament. I think he gets pulled at 100 pitches, and I don't care if he has a no hitter or not. And I hope that that makes sense because you're getting ready for a regional then and a super regional. you got bigger things on your plate. So there was a lot of things that came about. The great things about what happened that last weekend uh, with Lighter and Rocker. But you just worry. And, and, and the coach in me, my head spinning as I'm sitting there going, and maybe a lot of people didn't do this, is, well, Jack Leiter's got to pitch a day earlier this week coming up. You know, it's not a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And he threw 120 pitches. What does that matter? You know, and that's those are the things that I think your listeners maybe can think about that don't always think the decisions that have to be made by coaching staff to weigh the good and the bad when that happens. Well, I'm not certain that they're not going to have the regular rest because from what I hear, the weather in Columbia is cold and rainy, and we may not have baseball Thursday night. Well, imagine that in Columbia, Missouri. It's, I don't know if it's like the Bermuda. I mean, Vanderbilt's not played in good weather in Columbia. And Ever? Since they've been the conference. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's like something happened. So, yeah, that might be, it turns out it might be the best thing uh, for the rest. But I don't know if that was ever thrown about or you, you've talked to anybody else about the rest. But these pitching coaches and in today's game, it is so statistical based and analytics and number of pitches. And, and as Tim Corbin said in the press conference, he said, he told Scott Brown, don't come, don't look at me. Don't look at me. You know, when it was getting late in the game, cause he didn't want to talk about it. I mean, there, there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, you want to do what's best for the kid. You want to give him a chance to throw a no hitter. You also want to be have where he's not just spent and he's he's then all of a sudden you're a day behind because you play this week. There's a lot that goes into that that people might not realize. But yeah, I, I if it rains tonight and rains them out, it might not be so bad. 
The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spy-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Let's talk about the Colwick injury and the upshot of that. Parker Nolan, I think, has been their their plan back up at, at second. I want to maybe even say first potential. I'd have to check my notes. But it seems like that's what they'll do. We, we talked about how, well, what are they going to do when all these guys come back? And, and one of the things I th- I've said is that, well, you know, a lot of times it seems like this resolves and another guy gets hurt. Unfortunately, that did. But I have a feeling they'll roll with Nolan at second and with Gonzalez at third. I would think so. I, I think that's probably, and they showed that when, the, when uh, you know, Gonzalez was inserted in the lineup, you know, immediately after after that uh, incident, the plight um, that Colwick had. So I, I think that's, and they don't just, they don't miss a beat really. I mean, you've got a guy who's, who's familiar with the position and, and um, you don't have to move too many people around. So I think that's probably what they're going to go with. What do you do at DH? Because I think Max Romero, um, well, he's the second catcher now. I mean, they played Rodriguez the whole weekend behind the plate. I was a little surprised to see him get all three starts, but I think that says something to the trust. I have a feeling you're going to just see a carousel for a while between Bolger, Jones, and Romero at DH. All three of those guys bring totally different things. Uh, Bolger seems to be the guy that they like more than any of them, which is a little surprising because he's a right-hander, um, and, and the other two kids are lefties. You usually face more right-handers. Now, maybe I have to go back and look at that, and they, they faced an unusual amount of lefties, but I'm, I'm almost positive that's not the case. In fact, most of the games I remember them them starting, uh, or the other team starting right-handers, so it seems like Bolger's their preference despite handedness right now, but how do you see that playing out? Well, they're all hitting in the 200s. So there, nobody's really stepping out and earning the spot. And, and they'll probably just see, uh, based on who they're facing, uh, righty-lefty, what the situation in the game, who's hot, who's not. But none of them, those ones you mentioned, are really tearing it up. I think it's just going to be. And then someone could kind of come out of uh, Tim. Tim has been known to throw somebody out there at times in the season that we haven't seen uh halfway through the year and he, he someone else gets a chance at that role uh and you know I'm, I'm trying to look and see who that would be but it, it would, well i'll stop you i think it'd be lenive because you've seen yeah. him pinch hit you saw him pinch hit on a sunday I, I think that he's behind the other guys because he hasn't seen the field much but if you wanted to pick a dark horse by indications of what he's done it seems like he's the guy yeah and he, he you're right he, he's uh had a few bad bats here that have uh He's done well. So I, I think he'd be the next guy in line. Uh, and I think they'll just rotate and see what um, between those three, four guys, is, who's just who's hot and ride it. 
Anything else concern you with this team right now? No, I, I think the disposition's good. I think they've, they've got a very business-like attitude going on the road the first time, and they're, the next six are on the road in the conference. You've got Missouri and you've got LSU uh, back-to-back series, and you don't want to look too far ahead. And in this league, I've, I've got a buddy of mine who's, who's a big Ole Miss baseball follower, and they're talking about, you know, he mentioned to me the gauntlet that, you know, Ole Miss has got to go. To, and, and I said, stop right there. You know, let, let's, I mean, every team in this conference, there's really not a week off. I mean, you saw what Alabama did in Arkansas, won 16 to 1 in game one against a team that was the number one team in the country. That right there should get your attention. If you're any, if you're looking ahead to a, a series that's on the horizon, uh, it, that should immediately be flashing red alert. So, there's no weeks off in this league anymore. Uh, there might have been a couple years ago, but uh, you, you, you're going to see week after week. It is a gauntlet. It is just one after the other. They all present different issues for you to, uh, you know, you're going into some places that allow fans in the stadium that uh, at almost full capacity and the whole mess is, is almost at full capacity. It looked like it. I uh, saw a highlight and the beer throwing in the outfield after somebody get a pinch at home run. So they're letting people in. And that's, that's a good thing. That's it. That's a good thing. You want to go out and be in those environments. You want to, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, I know I'm saying this. People might think I'm crazy that, you know, this team got down to Lipscomb the other night, three, nothing and see how you battle back uh, after, you know, see if there was a little hangover from the Sunday loss and, People kind of going, oh, what is this? What's going on? Listen, you know, Lipscomb's up, uh, you know, to get up two spot in the first. But this team showed the maturity of, of when I say maturity, it's 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 interesting because there's not a whole lot of guys who've been around. Uh, you've got your you know, guys who pitched in some games, but this still is a really young team. Christian Little goes out there and has a little uh, a speed bump that he hadn't had before when he gives up three runs. But they stayed the course, battled back, went ahead in the third, and and that was good to see. You, as a coach, you want to see your team how they're going to handle adversity. And I, I know Tim's probably, you know, they did well in, in in Stillwater when they went there a couple weeks ago. But it's it's on the road where you where you really grow up. And and I think this team's going to be challenged uh, for the next six to see where they are. You know, come you know second week in April to be a good test. You mentioned attendance. Do you see Vanderbilt letting a lot more people in than it is now? Because I have my doubts. I think it'll probably stay the same. You know, I, I don't have any reason to read the tea leaves and see why it would be more than, uh, you know, I'm, I was looking at my daughter's a, a big soccer fan, loves playing soccer. And, you know, I see they're kind of letting some people go to those games, uh, albeit slowly. So, they're going to slow walk it. Um, and you know, um, I don't see, I would be surprised, pleasantly surprised, but you know, until you get a further on down the line with the vaccinations, I think may, you know, looking at the schedule, maybe the may would change a little bit. Um, but you know, when you're getting people vaccinated at 10,000 a clip, not saying they're doing that every Saturday, like they did at L, you know, LP field, that's a good thing. And, and some things are starting to open up. It would be a, a great benefit. And I know the team wants to play in front of more people. That's what, you know, they came here for. But uh, I think it's probably much going to stay the course here for a while. Jack Leiter's going to go his whole Vanderbilt career and hardly play in front of any of his own fans. I know. That's 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 crazy. And 
Um, he uh, and you talk about a cool kid. I mean, just watching him the way he handled himself. He, he guy, he he looks so young. You know, that's what a lot of people were texting me, going like, "Lighter looks like he's." And this is no rap on him. He just he looks like he's more of Christian Little's age than you know, or you know, he's just got kind of got that. Um, but he's a big kid. You know, he's got a great frame. But man, he's a cool cat. I mean, and watching him handle that, um, all that he did and the publicity. I saw where Vanderbilt was. I don't know if you saw this, Chris, but Vanderbilt baseball or was it Vandy boys? And I don't know how this is, how this is figured, but on Twitter was trending one of the top trending at the top spot. And then you got the NCAA basketball tournament going on at the same time. And you have the Vanderbilt baseball team was trending on searches and, 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 uh, hits at that time on Saturday when all that was going on. So that, that just goes to show you, um, you know, you get you no hitter on television like that, like it was going on and it hits all the ESPNs and uh, it kind of just explodes. And that, that's something that just shows how this game's grown. Do you think this could affect them with hosting at all? I mean, I don't think the NCAA would as strict as it's been on COVID would, if they earn a, a national seed in, in the old sense that would, would say, no, you, you got to go on the road for attendance. And I guess Vanderbilt could write the check to, you know, because I think that's the way it goes anyway. You've got to guarantee a certain amount to the league. I, I guess Vanderbilt would cover that financially. But we're just speculating. Is there any concern here that this affects their postseason destination? I wouldn't think there would be, but I, I think that's going to be interesting if, if you – if you see regionals across the country that are played to ballparks that are a lot more full than and then Vanderbilt sitting here at, at 400 or 500 or whatever it is. No, I don't. I don't think it'll affect it at all. Uh, and I think that would be taken care of by Vanderbilt if it did. But you're talking about 60 days from now. And if we get down further, that's when you possibly could see if things open up. That's possibly when you would see where things will, you know, as far as letting people in, that's, I think this year the SEC. I noticed the SEC tournament's a little later this year, just on the calendar, um, and so you're talking about late May, first couple days of June. So I, I know I answer your question. No, I don't. I don't think it'll affect it all. Well, they still haven't opened up the press box for media yet. So yeah, which... well, that's yeah, that's that's got to be a tough thing to call a game. I've done I've done games before on television and. I'm, radio and i think the tv guys are still doing it in the gym but there were some times uh tom hart and kyle peterson you could tell just you, you the feel of it they do a fine job i like those guys I've, I've met kyle and met him in omaha and and a real good guy and but just doing it logistically and getting a feel of the game is is hard doing it from your study or your or your living room it's just a whole different thing and and i've got a, i've done one game semi-remotely for ESPN uh, years ago. It was Little League. They were kind of doing a little testing of remote, uh, doing remote broadcast, and and actually the truck, which they, you know, the production truck wasn't even at the game. They call it Remy, which is a, their R-E-M-I. It's acronym for something remote. But doing those games remotely is just very different uh, feel. Uh, it, it takes a while to get used to. Well, and it's hard to do it as a writer, too, because, you know, in the press box, you've, you've got a table in front of you where you've got your, you know, you can do your scorebook, you can write the story as you go. And, and so it's kind of like if you want to get a story 
up time in a timely manner, you kind of have to sit at home and do it. Uh, but if you sit at home, like you said, you miss out on a few things. I like being at the ballpark. It's hard to write, and I don't think I can even connect from the seats from my computer. So it's like you can't. No, none of us can really do our job uh, the way we're accustomed to. But anyway. Uh, I won't bore everybody with that, but let's go to the mailbag. That's sponsored by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of your insurance needs. Call him today, 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuminthq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He's my insurance agent. Give him a try. Tell me you heard about his business on the Vandy Sports Podcast. View 65 says, what do you think happened when Jason Gonzalez was on third base with one out and a Vandy player hits a long fly ball to center field and Vanderbilt didn't score at six run? That run would have resulted in a tie game through nine. I didn't see that one. Um, I, I was listening a little bit on radio. I had to pick my family up from the airport in the middle of that game. But uh, what did you see on that one? That was the Sunday game. You know, Gonzalez doesn't have the the best wheels in the world. It, it, it just, he's not slow, but and and it's easy to look back on that play and say, you know, now or after the fact and say, yes, he could have scored. I, I think probably he'd want that back. I will say, from a third base coach's perspective, center field is one of the toughest spots to gauge as far as depth and and when you should go on a tag up it just is and it's hard for me to describe it it's just your 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 view from left and right actually right might be easier if you're third base coach and you're making that decision or it's got to be a bang bang decision of whether you're going to tag up or not and those guys watch they they when i say those guys the coaching staff they have scouting reports they watch infield the other team take infield they know sort of the ones who have the weaker arms of the three and when they can go. And you have to judge that between who's on base, the time of the game, who you've got coming up. you got, you know, the top of the order that was following, you know, and, and probably I would say they'd probably want to have that back. But I will say it is difficult. Center field is just hard. It's so big out there. And, and from a depth perception, it is harder of the three spots, in my opinion, to make a call as far as uh, whether you should go or not, because um, it's just the way the angles are when you're the third base coach. But yeah, that, that, looking back on it, that would have made a difference. Um, it been one of the differences. It's been a top ball game. So yeah, I think they probably want to have that one back. Bex4VU asks, what's the rationale for setting a Friday, Saturday, Sunday sequence for starting pitchers? Is just to ensure your best pitchers get to work in case game gets games get canceled due to weather? With the way the first two weekends have gone, it seems our opponents are chomping at the bit to get to the third pitcher. What if they started the third pitcher on Friday so he doesn't have to follow rocker and lighter? No, you wouldn't want to do that. I mean, you definitely, it's a momentum game uh, and universally across the country in major conferences, you want to have your, your best guy, your Friday night guy to set the tone. It's all about setting a tone for the rest of the series. You jump up on somebody like this happened with their one, two punch of rocker and lighter. And you got you kind of the whole attitude switches. And I can remember when as, as a player and giving a player's perspective, you know, you get those first two games 
breakfast tastes a lot easier, a lot better on Sunday, and you sleep a little better on Saturday night. And you, you're, I'm not saying you're you're being complacent, but in this case, if you're a competitive program like Vanderbilt, I mean, you're going in for the kill, right? You're 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 you realize that what's in front of you, the sweep. So no, you and and the the person asking question does make a valid point. Yes, if water, if weather comes into play, you want to make sure that you give yourself the best chance uh, to, to win a series and go ahead. So you would never want to do your third starter. Now, we talked about last week where some teams in, back in the, in, in the days of David Price when he was so dominant that they would actually, like hockey lines, you know, you, you know, you'd match. Uh, you want to go best on best or whatever the best matchup for you is. But in some cases, other teams were pitching their number three guy against our, uh, you know, n- number one and David Price. That hadn't happened this year. But, no, you definitely want to set the tone. It is more about the psychological uh, and, and as far as getting ahead to where you're not being desperate and everybody kind of tightens up if you made a mistake and you uh, tried to get – and that's been Tim Corbin's philosophy all the way. You know, regionals. He's always, I can think maybe once he started someone else that wasn't the top frontline pitcher, no matter what. Some teams have gotten bitten by that. But you don't want to, uh, you want to set the stage and, and get game one in your pocket. I definitely know that. Chip, uh, anything else you want to leave us with before we go? I know, of course, you've got a, a thriving real estate business. I'll give you a moment to talk about that. But uh, the floor is yours as we close the show today. No, I just, it, I think it's, uh, it's I'm glad this team is going on the road to see what they're like. You know, Stillwater was a, a, a great performance, winning two out of three there. It was it was it's always you see teams grow on the road. And, and I think that's what um, you're going to see with this team as far as the next six, seeing where they are after Missouri and LSU. Uh, I'm anxious to see what Lighter and Rocker do uh the second weekend after coming off of, you know, and as far as lighters coming off his 120 pitch performance, is that going to, are you, are you going to see anything different? I'm, I'm anxious to see if lighter gets that curveball back, you know, that he uh, was not as dominant with at, um, against South Carolina, but didn't really need it. I'm, I'm anxious to see that. I'm anxious to see if, if, uh, you know, Luke Murphy can get back into form when they need him and, whoever, Maldonado, whoever they bring out of the pen. You know, those guys didn't get much work after the first two games, and it was good to see them to get some work on Sunday and midweek. But you want to kind of get your guys – you're not going to have a game where you're going to have no hitters and guys throwing complete games eight and nine innings. You you need to have some depth and see how they progress on the weekend. So I'm I'm anxious to see that. Finally, I probably at the top of my list. I just love. I mean, I love watching Enrique Bradfield. I, he's my favorite um, player. Uh, watching, he's just so exciting. I love his his uh, swagger. It, it's not a cocky swagger. It's just that guy looks like he's 21 years old. And he's been here for three years, uh, and I'm I, I want to see what he does on the road and if he can continue continue staying hot on the bases and hitting the ball like he has been. So. Uh, other than that, uh, I think it's a good weekend coming up to see where this team is after the next six on the road, and I'm looking forward to it. And you mentioned my, the real estate company. Frederick & Clark Realty is our real estate company. We've been around for over 57 years now in Nashville, Middle Tennessee. 
the main thing I can express to your to your listeners right now is is just we're Vanderbilt people, and I and I we sell houses to a lot of people, but for your core listeners who are listening to that, if you're looking for a real estate company who will look out for your needs on the buy, sell, or sell side, and you want people who or Vanderbilt uh, related and, and former students and former student athletes. My father played in the first game at Vanderbilt gym in the 1950s. The principals are all Vanderbilt people. So if you want a connection there, we've got over 184 agents in two locations. We've been here again, I said, for over 57 years. In this market, you need someone to look out for your needs on the buy and the sell side, and we're there for you. We're professional agents. We've got people who do this full time and in this market, you need somebody who is not doing it part-time. You need somebody who can help you navigate the, the waters, so to speak, as far as this very competitive market. So give us a call, and you can check us out on the web at frederickandclark.com. And that's all I got, Chris. Yeah, one final note on Bradfield. The biggest surprise of the season with me uh, is he's only got one triple somehow so far. I have a feeling that's going to change. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw him scoot against Lipscomb the other night, and, and my little boy was watching that. And uh, he saw the ball hit the fence, and my and my my son, who's who loves baseball, he's eleven. He said, "Daddy, he's got three. I mean, before he even turned first. Uh, but he's just uh, he 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 is a um, guy who's setting the table both on the base paths and the outfield with his bat. I love him in the one spot, and uh, he's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, I thought the same thing off the bat too. Chip, thanks for joining me, and we'll catch you next week. Have a great one, Chris. You too. He's Chip Frederick. I'm Chris Lee. Thanks for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. We should have one more episode coming later this week.